Okay, I can do this. All right, think back to when you were nine. Camp Orkyla in the Pacific Northwest, learning your ukulele. <clears throat> Dabbed in the morning, dabbed in the evening, dabbed in the dabbed in the afternoon. <sighs> no, no, that's not. That's not. It's not gonna work. Uh, no, it needs to be guitar. Can't be ukulele. Okay, fine. Guitar. Uh, I'll get a guitar. I can do that. Uh, but I need to learn how to play it. Okay, let's go to the internets. Hmm, internets... Learn to play guitar. Oh, here we go. Chord savvy. Okay. Chord savvy is a musical education and entertainment ecosystem designed to, one, teach beginners how to play guitar, two, teach cover songs, three, explore the craft of songwriting, four, share original songs, and Five, share musical travel experiences. Wow, this sounds perfect. This is great. All in one site at chordsavvy.com. This is great. I'll just learn a few chords, whip out the song, and boom, piece of cake. Wait, no, stop, Jay. You've been doing a bit too much DIY on this whole podcast. I mean, I mean, yes, it's great that I'm learning and picking up new skills, and I, I, I'm a... I'm an advocate for lifelong learning, and learning is a journey and personal development and all that, yada, yada, but I've got to stop trying to do all this on my own. Hmm. Let me read a bit more here. About Bobby and Chord Savvy. Bobby Hennebury has been playing music for over 30 years, and he loves sharing it with the world. Wait, Bobby? Bobby? I know that guy. I mean, I don't think I've seen him since Kyrgyzstan, but... Oh, no, sorry. I actually saw him more recently in Sri Lanka. Maybe Bobby can help me out. I'm not sure if he's in Atlanta now or if he's back in Dubai, but since he never travels without his guitar, I'll just give him a call and see if he can help. Hey, Bobby, it's Jay. What's up? Hey, Jay, what's up, man? Hey, I need some help on a musical project. Yeah, happy to help. Okay, great. So I've got this travel podcast thing I've been doing, and I wrote this song about 20 years ago, but I need some help with the, the music and, and putting everything together. You know how much I love travel and how much I love music, so yeah. But, I mean, are you sure? I mean, I appreciate it, but it's a song about food. I am all about that because I love food and I love music. You know this about me, so let's, let's do it. Let's make it happen, man. <laughs> I mean, that's great to hear, but, you know... It, are you sure you'd want to do this? I mean, it's a song dedicated to the Nepali dish of Dalbot. I like some Dalbot, so why wouldn't I do it? All right, I'll send you some samples, and uh, just give me some feedback when you get a chance. <laughs> well, okay, then what I'll do is I'll, I'll send you the lyrics and kind of how I envision it and how I put things together. Dude, you do your thing. Okay, thanks to you and Chordsavvy.com. You know, Chord Savvy is all about music and travel and cool people, and I am totally happy to support you. So let's get to writing some music, and let's rock on.
Fantastic. Rock on. Man, I can't wait to see how this turns out. Oh, wait, I've got a show to do. Welcome back to all of you great members of the J-Luck Club, presented as always by Honey Roasted T-Shirts. This episode, I'd like to make a big shout out to Chord Savvy for their support. Do you want to learn to play guitar? Do you want to learn from videos which quickly get to the point and jump into exactly what you need to learn to learn your favorite tunes? Or are you just interested in songwriting, travel, and connecting with the world through music? Check out ChordSavvy.com, subscribe to their YouTube channel, or search them up on Instagram and Facebook. While you're at it, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud, and the usual suspects. Share with your friends, drop a line in a comment, and check out honeyroastedtshirts.com for more pictures, show notes, and extras. I am Jay, and I am the luckiest one in this club, thanks to all of you listeners, fellow members, and supporters. Thank you for joining me on this memory journey as I remember, reflect, relive, reconstruct, retell, return to my roots, reach, reach deep into my memory banks and read from my journal, and so much more. In our last episode, I had been in Nepal for about six weeks, but had only sent out two emails covering 24 hours of my time there. This time, I'll catch you up on the two-week volunteer project, which, though very different from my time in Cambodia, was no less impactful on me, my journey, and my life. But don't take my word for it. Why not hear it firsthand from the Jay of 20 years ago? I now take you back to an internet cafe in Kathmandu. Date. Saturday, October 28th, 2000. From Jay Schneider. Subject, Jack is back. And so, dear readers, let us move right along as I summarize my time faster than a speeding yak and leap two weeks in a single bound. Namely, my two-week volunteer camp. Seven volunteers, two German, two French, again with the French, two Canadians, one English and one French, and I and our Nepali camp leader left Kathmandu aboard one of the many fine metallic buses painted with various slogans in various colors. I noticed while on ours was painted, Happy Journey, a neighboring vehicle read, Good Luck. At the time, I wondered which was better. Barreling along the very narrow and very winding roads, next to very steep and very high drops into nothing, the bus carrying my very precious body seemed determined to give us our money's worth. The act of passing on blind corners, again next to those very steep and very high drops into nothing, was certainly not just a bad habit of our driver, but apparently the custom of the land, along with honking the musical horn as often as possible for no discernible good reason. As on several occasions, we came around those already mentioned blind corners and came face to face with two oncoming buses, one the passer, the other the passee. Don't worry, on each instance, plenty of horns were blown, so it all seemed to be on the up and up. At one major junction, the bus picked up a large number of passengers and the bus filled so newcomers had to stand. As many of the people boarding the bus seemed more in need of seats than us, we all had thoughts of offering our seats. Our camp leader, half a step ahead of the game, turned to me and asked, 
do you want to go on the roof? I knew he wasn't joking because I had seen other buses filled to the brim and on top sat happy Nepali and a few goats. Before anyone could answer, I think I was already halfway up the side of the bus securing a good spot on the luggage above. Man, oh man, what a ride. It is the only way to go. The sky was clear, the views were spectacular, and as long as someone was on branch and low-hanging wire duty, yelling, duck, life was never better. I realized how nice it is to ride in the open and thought back to my choice to ride on top of the boat in Cambodia. Thinking of boats, I remembered my summers sailing in Southern California. In the races, we often had to dangle our legs over the edge of the boat to keep it balanced. I remember this and advise my co-passengers to do the same on this bus, hopefully keeping the bus upright at every hairpin corner. Suddenly, after some hours had passed, the bus stopped in the middle of the road, and seemingly in the middle of nowhere. There being nothing distinguishing about this stretch of road from any other bit ahead or behind, I assumed it must be a pee break or something. Then our guide informed us, this is the bus stop. We get off here. Well, of course. So after a 20-minute hike up, and I mean up, the mountain, we arrived at our home for the next two weeks. We lived with a family of 13, four generations being represented. There was a separate loft next to the house, large enough for the seven of us, plus two Nepali leaders to sleep. Below, we would cook our own meals, more of that to come. On the other side below us, the goats spent their days. By the way, October hosts one of the largest and most important festivals in Nepal, the Dasain Festival. The whole of Nepal celebrates, and at the height of the celebration, one of the brothers told me this while I admired my new flea-covered neighbors, they would sacrifice a goat. I'm going to say that again. They would sacrifice a goat. As fate would have it, the camp would be well over and we'd miss the event. Don't worry, the brother consoled us. Goats all over Nepal will be sacrificed. I'm sure you won't miss it. The house overlooked a valley, and we had fine views of terraced rice fields behind which stood the largest mountains I had seen to date. We were just on the cusp of the Annapurna mountain range. Our project was to help begin construction of a water tank, future career plumber, which would serve 12 families. This was phase one, so our job was simply to begin the process which future work camps would continue. First, we needed to make a flat area, and for those of you who don't know, flat is something that Nepal lacks. We dug for three days alongside the villagers, making a large flat area in the side of a very steep mountain. In the following days, because we needed many stones, we collected many stones. We walked up the hill, we picked up one or two stones, we carried them down the hill, repeat over and over again. In the final days, we cleared the trail and the path, widening it, smoothing it, destroying large boulders which impeded movement, future career road builder? Smashing large boulders is really fun, by the way. If you have the means, I highly recommend it as a stress reliever. All in all, the work was hard, physical labor, and it was exhausting. The locals laughed at how the funny foreigners who sweat constantly, the Nepali never seemed to perspire. We constantly drank water, and boiled or treated water at that, and we were so strange to take a break in the middle of the day to eat lunch. The Nepali ate in the morning and then again at night. While we felt a little silly that we were so challenged by tasks which the local children and housewives were performing with ease, I realized that this kind of work was a way of life for these people. I'm sure if our roles were reversed and the Nepali were forced to sit on their asses watching TV and eating potato chips for two weeks straight, they would perform pretty lousy at that. But it wasn't all hard labor, though at times I thought this is the kind of stuff prison camps do. Every ten minutes or so, suddenly a big discussion would erupt amongst the villagers and everybody had something to say or yell about everything. 
Even the passers-by from neighboring villages, taking their buffalo to the river, had to put their two cents in. The volunteers, not understanding a word, just stood around trying not to look too stupid, thankful for the break in the action. Sometimes the rain, too, would give us relief. After doing a lot of digging, the showers came down and created one giant mud pit. I was tempted to entertain the crowd with my magnificent mud tricks, but as no motorcycles were present and my flip-flops were back at the camp, we all just went inside and had tea. We also had two free days, and on both occasions I was able to, after walking long distances over very unflat land, stay with Nepali families. I also had the chance to visit some local schools. After a lot of work, but mostly good times, oh yeah, I also got sick and had a fever and some other bad things happened physically, but I won't get into that now. Our two weeks finally came to an end. For our final night, we invited all the families over to give a show, followed by some dancing and general merriment. For reasons I still can't comprehend, we sang The Lion Sleeps Tonight in French and English, uh, a Beatles song, and some Nepali folk song we had learned. And for our showstopper, a little ditty I had composed, perhaps in my sick state of delirium, I don't remember, in praise of our food. So I'll leave you as we left them with my very own Dalbot ditty. Explanation. Dalbot is a traditional Nepali food. It's pretty much the thing to eat in Nepal. It's rice and lentils, but often vegetables and maybe some pickles to go with it. It's food in that generic sense that's perfect, not when you want something special in particular, but when you're just hungry and you want food. Though we got creative on a few occasions and changed up the menu, at least one meal of every day, though usually two, was Dalbot. <clears throat> One, two, one, two, three, four. I'm hearing a folk guitar, are you? Dalbot in the morning, Dalbot in the evening, Dalbot in the afternoon. To eat your rice and lentils, you don't need a knife, fork, or spoon. Eat it with your right hand, never with the left hand, this is rule number one. Cause the right hand is for eating, and the left is for when you're done. And I'm singing about Dalbot, don't you know I love you, Dalbot? Can't eat enough of you, Dalbot. You will always be my number one. Dalbot, everybody say it, Dalbot. Every meal I pray, it's Dalbot. And now the song is done, done, done. Thank you and good night. J, future career street performer, Schneider. First note, Dalbot, the Nepali dish that inspired my ditty? Yes, I'll get back to that. Second note, you have to ride on top of a bus through the windy mountain roads of Nepal. You just have to do this. I was able to do it several times during my time in Nepal, and it is one of the best, most exciting ways to, to travel and see the country. Third note, sometimes, you know, if you're learning to play guitar and you want to learn to play one of your favorite songs, so you go online, you find a bunch of videos, but they're always just so long and drawn out. Wouldn't it be great if there were a spot you could go where you could just quickly jump into the chords that you need to know to play that song? I've got great news for you. Check out Chordsavvy.com and learn some of your favorite songs in a matter of minutes. Welcome to Chordsavvy.com. Rock on. 
Once again, this volunteer work camp was an incredible experience, and it gave me an opportunity to connect with the country in a deeper way than I may otherwise have. Also, I was able to gain access to families and villages and, and have memorable experiences that may not have been possible had I simply been passing through. This work camp was a bit different than the one in Cambodia. Actually, quite different. So in all these volunteer projects, of course, there's an element of cultural exchange. Regardless of the actual work goals, volunteers from all over the world are able to meet each other and live and connect with the local people. And it's an incredible opportunity for humans to learn about other humans. However, where in Cambodia the volunteers made use of our talents and skills, for this specific work camp, we were really not the brains of this water tank project, but more just the grunt laborers, which, let's be honest, was laughable. Yes, we worked hard to dig and move stones and create the foundation for the water tank and irrigation system and widen the path, but if anyone was going to be cut from the team or voted off the island for underperforming, it was going to be us volunteers. In the case of the villagers, I mean, Little kids, old men and women, spent all day running up and down the mountain, moving stones, hardly breaking a sweat, while we were huffing and puffing, just hiking the 20 to 30 minutes each morning from our sleeping quarters to the work sites. So just to be clear, while our efforts were appreciated, I'm pretty sure the Nepali weren't exactly looking at us as their labor saviors. We probably just got in the way. So apart from our presence and cultural exchange, Again, we got really close to the families, we visited schools, we connected with the villagers. It was an amazing experience. But apart from that, let's be real. The biggest impact we were all making was probably monetary. For these volunteer projects, each participant makes a contribution. I honestly don't remember the exact amount right now. I'm sure I could track it down in my notes or some paperwork somewhere, but trust me when I say in retrospect, it was probably an embarrassingly modest amount. I mean, I'm sure the few hundred dollars we paid, which essentially covered two weeks or three weeks in Cambodia, was hardly anything. It was probably cheaper than if I'd been staying in hotels and sightseeing, and I got far more out of this experience than I would have otherwise and made much more of an impact. I don't remember the exact amount, but that's really not important. The, the key thing here is there's a no way an inflated price tag and it was no way a ripoff. In a previous post, I noted that sometimes volunteer travel opportunities, or voluntourism as they say, can be overpriced, corrupt, and exploit locals. So beware and check them out. This was definitely not my experience. And again, while I don't remember the exact amount I paid, technically, I was homeless and unemployed during this my entire stay. So clearly, it wasn't a, a great fortune. A portion of the money went directly to Volunteers for Peace, which again, makes perfect sense as they have their operating costs for their organization. The remainder went to the local group to cover for our food and general burden of being there. The last thing any of us volunteers want to do is to show up and freeload, taking these people's food for a few weeks. And then, of course, the rest of the money goes to the project, the materials, supplies, and all the rest. So really, in the case of this Nepal project, our biggest impact was that we were paying for the water tank, the supplies, and, of course, whatever was given to the village and the organizers to take care of us. My point is, there are many ways to make an impact. And in this project, there certainly was a personal impact in both directions. But honestly, I think our greatest contribution was actually our money. And again, while I forget the amount, it was ridiculously low considering the value we got out of the experience. It's also a reminder that there are many ways to make a genuine positive impact in this world. Sometimes it's expertise you may have and be able to share. Sometimes it's just the simple human connection and just being there. Other times the ability to provide resources to enable a project is the best way to help. Oh, that big rock. I don't think I mentioned in the email. 
I told you one of our tasks was to create a flat area on the side of the mountain, and I'll post a detailed technical diagram from my journal on honeyroastedtshirts.com. This effort required digging and removing dirt and taking out stones, and in some cases, smashing stones to bits. At one point, we unearthed a very large boulder, probably about four feet tall. We dug it out, and we had to figure out how to deal with it. One afternoon, we all took turns trying to smash it to pieces with a sledgehammer. Though after a couple of hours, we literally didn't even make a dent in the boulder. It was a fantastic feeling just to whack something with all your might. Okay, new exercise workout idea. Nepali mountain workouts. You run up and down mountains, dig ditches, lifting and moving stones while running up and down said mountains, jumping from boulder to boulder, the sledgehammer smash. Hoo-hoo, watch out, CrossFit. Nepali Mountain Workouts is coming for you. Anyway, after many debates and arguments among the group, the villagers, and random passers-by, we concluded we could not destroy the stone. As tempting as it was to just roll the massive rock down the mountain, I mean, that would have been so, so cool to see, it probably would have been the most destructive and potentially deadly. In the end, we dug a very large hole and rolled the stone into it and then buried it. Again, not as exciting as seeing a large boulder barrel down the mountainside, but no one died. Well, at least I don't think so. I wonder if we did a head count after we filled that hole back in. So I told you there were two free days. On one of the days, we all hiked a few hours through beautiful terraced rice fields in the sides of the mountains. The hiking was incredible and the surroundings were unbelievably gorgeous. But I was also aware that while this was a trek to this other village and this great excursion for us for this overnight journey. (laughs) This was also just a daily commute for the locals. On the other free day, our camp leader said he was going to visit his cousin in the next district, and he asked if I wanted to come along. Absolutely. The grandfather of the family decided to come along too. I wasn't quite sure why he was coming with us because he didn't have any connection to the family we were visiting. However, I learned later, Grandpa loves to tell stories but he tells the same stories over and over again, so I think maybe he was just looking for a new audience. Anyway, the three of us walked many hours that day. Fortunately, we did much of it on dirt roads, so the only hilly portions was when we were leaving our work camp and then finally ascending into the mountains to his cousin's home. Oh, right, we had to cross this river at one point and there wasn't a bridge and there's a pretty strong current, so yeah, it was quite the adventure. At one point, we passed through a small market, stopping in a shop and cafe of sorts that had a small black-and-white TV with grainy reception, and it was the only glimpse of the Summer Olympics that year that I was able to witness. Occasionally, we would run into people on the trail or the road, and there would be a conversation. I would just politely smile as others chatted about what I can only imagine, and then we'd continue on our way. I had a great night with this other family. First of all, they had amazing pumpkin doll bot. Oh, it was so incredible. And, wait for it, I got to sleep in a bed with a mattress. I mean, I'm not too picky, and I was doing fine sleeping on the floor of the loft for the past week, but I'm not ashamed to say I let it drop quite a few times back with my fellow volunteers that I had slept in a bed with a mattress. Bert, a French-Canadian, said that while the mattress sounded nice, while I was gone, he and some of the others walked a few miles to the nearest store and had two Coca-Colas, and he seemed to be in heaven. Oh right, I mentioned we were near the Annapurna Mountains, but due to cloud cover, we didn't first spot them until we had been there for a number of days. One morning, we looked out and saw the snow-capped mountains and were blown away. When I went on my overnight trip, I was awoken at 6 a.m., walked outside, 
and was rewarded with seeing the Annapurna mountain range occupy nearly my entire field of vision. It was truly incredible. The two weeks passed too quickly, and so much happened in that time. The last night, as I said, we had a party with the villagers. We sang and we danced, and the next day there was a farewell ceremony, and we had felt so welcomed it was definitely sad to leave. But the seven of us were also quite excited to be heading to Pokhara and spend a few days with each other before we all went our separate ways. So back to Dalbot. Dalbot, the Nepali dish of rice and lentils that drew me in so much I wrote a song about it, it's a staple dish of Nepal and other areas of South Asia. Sometimes vegetables and other bits will be added. My first experience with Dalbot was at a roadside stop on the way to the work camp. After a couple hours on the bus, we pulled over to a nondescript shack for a rest stop. The guide asked if anyone wanted to get something to eat. Some of the others in the group declined or were clearly hesitant, and not because of the ingredients. I mean, it's just rice, lentils, and vegetables, so it's nothing too exotic. But I think they still were acclimating to the new environment and unsure whether it was safe to eat at this roadside stall. For me, again, it was definitely about being all in at life. My first bite of that Dalbot was incredible, and I was happy to eat it for all of my remaining weeks in Nepal. During the work camp, we ate Dalbot at least once a day, sometimes adding different ingredients or mixing it up with some non-style bread or other additions. Later in my time in Nepal, it helped sustain me on my three-week trek. Oh, cultural note, in many parts of the world where eating with hands is the preferred method, it is often customary and practical to eat with the right hand, since the left hand is using for, well, you know, wiping and washing. I did have an alternate line. It went something like, uh, Dalbot, let me tell you what it's all about. Use the right hand to put the food in and the left when it comes back out. But I decided to uh, keep it the lines as they are. Anyway, as has happened to me throughout my life, in a moment of inspiration, I penned some lyrics in my journal, an ode to this wonderful dish. One night at dinner, I shared my words with the group. It was well received, except for Susan. She was the volunteer not with our group, but the one who was there teaching for several months in the local school. She pointed out that typical Nepali only eat two meals per day, so my song wasn't quite accurate when I talked about three times a day. But unlike Susan, I'm just going to let that go. Anyways, the group agreed we should include it in our end-of-work camp festivities, where we all sang together a cappella. But after that inaugural performance, I turned the page in my journal and the song sat. As you heard in my email, I mentioned I imagined a guitar in the background. So, 20 years later, when it came time for this episode, I felt, well, I should probably present it to you in its intended form and get out into the world what had been in my head all these years. I just want you to know that this is not me playing guitar. I currently don't play the guitar, but I know exactly where I'd go to learn. Chordsavvy.com. Rock on. You know, I've learned a lot for this podcast. Figuring out things I'd never done before, learning new programs and software and how to get things done. Hacking my way to a product I can put out into the world. As an advocate for lifelong learning, it's been a great experience and satisfying to give myself a challenge and then overcome it, tackle a problem. It's been quite satisfying. But you know what? Collaboration is fun too. Though my trip 20 years ago was mostly solo, as the trip developed, the people I met became more integral in influencing my direction and my experience. Some of my most magical memories involved other people. When I started, I had a rough plan of the places I would go. The second half of my trip, I often started choosing directions because it would involve meeting up with a friend, some new, some old. My trip became much more people-oriented. Similarly with this podcast, 
an experience which has paralleled my trip in so many ways, I set out solo. It's my voice, it's my show, it's my sweat and my tears. It's very rewarding and very satisfying. But as I said before, so is collaboration. This podcast has been an incredible independent project for me, but you know what? It's also fun to include others. So I called up my friend Bobby and, well, take it away, Bobby. Talbot in the morning, Talbot in the evening, Talbot in the afternoon. To eat your rice and lentils, you don't need a knife, fork, or spoon. Eat it with your right hand, never with your left hand. This is rule number one. Cause the right hand is for eating, and the left is for when you're done. Everybody say it! Talbot! Don't you know I love you? Talbot! Can't eat enough of you? Talbot! You'll always be my number one! Talbot! I'm singing about it! Talbot! Every meal I pray it! Talbot! And now the song is dun dun dun! Whew! Man, I'm really hungry. Catch you later! Huge thank you to Bobby Hennebury and Cord Savvy. Check them out at cordsavvy.com. And hey, thanks, Bobby. This was fun. Trivia time. Apart from Google Translate and the faint voices in the background of my I now take you to an internet cafe in Soundbites, mine has been the only voice you've heard on this podcast. Until today when you heard Bobby's voice. Well, let me just say that's not going to be the last you hear of fellow members joining the show. Stay tuned as... More friends and fellow members of the club join in on the fun. You know, in many ways, this podcast is paying off a 20-year-old debt to myself. As I was writing in my journal years ago, I knew I wanted to do something with all this, but I wasn't quite sure what, and I certainly wouldn't have predicted it take this form. And now, all these years later, I'm putting it out into the world, exploring different ways to tell my stories. When I unzipped my pants in a Malaysian airport, I half wrote that story in my journal, and it was a story I wanted to tell, but I didn't quite know how to convey the feeling. Somehow, all these years later, Zip Flash Zip did that for me. Episode 1, check it out. When I met Mr. Aki Ra in Cambodia and learned about his life-clearing landmines, it struck me we were similar ages yet had such different lives. I had a feeling I somehow wanted to express and share that. And in episode 2, in my introduction, I found a way to share that story. And today, my 20-year-old Dalbot Diddy is more of a reality than ever before, finally with that guitar backing I'd always wanted. And you know what? It feels really good to have it real. So I guess I want to leave you with this. Tell that story, sing that song, write that book, say that thing you want to say. Make your dreams and ideas a reality. Sing us out, Bobby. Talbot in the morning, Talbot in the evening, Talbot in the afternoon To eat your rice and lentils, you don't need a knife, fork or spoon Eat with your right hand, never with your left hand, this is rule number one Cause the right hand is for eating, and the left is for when you're done Everybody say it! Talbot! Don't you know I love you? Talbot!
So it took me 20 years to share many of the stories I'm sharing with you now, 20 years to make Dollbot Diddy a real song, and it feels so satisfying and wonderful to complete. But guess what, people? You don't have to wait 20 years. Tell that story, sing that song, write that book, say that thing you want to say. Oh, remember Goodnight Kausan Road from such episodes as episode number five? Stay tuned, people. That book is going to be real, and you won't have to wait 20 years. You may have to wait a couple months, though. One more time! A big thanks to Bobby Hennebury and Cord Savvy. Check them out at cordsavvy.com or on YouTube. Don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on iTunes and the usual places or check it out at honeyroastedtshirts.com. Are you a member of the J-Luck Club? Would you like to be? If so, subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Visit the aforementioned honeyroastedtshirts.com to check out more. I entered Nepal thinking I'd be there a couple weeks and then moving on, but two weeks turned into two months. So tune in next time to hear more about this amazing country, bold enough to have a non-standard shaped flag. If you listen to this podcast, or if you've read the emails or visited the blog, or maybe if you've heard me tell the story about that time when I had to break out of the world's largest Buddhist temple. Well, then you just might be a member of the J-Luck Club. Anyway, let me know what elements you like. Uh, and then I'm happy to firm this thing up. All right, buddy? Thank you for staying tuned to Journal Extras. I'm going to just read a few pages of September 16th. Up early to stuff all my newly acquired stuff into a pack. In retrospect, purchasing Jenga was not necessary. Meet. Bus station. Metallic, colorfully painted buses with messages such as happy journey and good luck. At Doomray, we get to sit atop the bus. So friggin' cool. Fresh air, beautiful. Bus stops in the middle of unmarked road. We're here. Well, of course we are. Hike 15 minutes uphill to Umakanta's home. I'm actually glad we're not on that other work camp that was three hours from the bus stop. We're all gasping, sweating, but we relax and settle in. 13 family members. We have a loft for our sleeping quarters. We will share it with the goats. Work camp members. Bertrand from, from Quebec. Justin from Vancouver. Barbara and Danielle from Germany. Though, as Barbara pointed out later, Barbara was from the West. Danielle was from the East. Helen and Sebastian from France. Again with the French. I'm slightly disappointed there are no Japanese. There were many in the other work camp. September 17th, workday number one. Wake up achy and not 100%. But I think I'm just tired. After the lunch break, I lay down and realize I'm feeling like crap and a little hot. But I'm ready to tough it out. Around six o'clock, I admit my sickness. Temperature taken. 38.8 degrees. 
September 19th, we finish work early because the area is sufficiently flattened. Tomorrow, a new project. Head down to the river. It's a nice setting to walk around and relax. I'm interested to learn that the villages across the river are Maoist. We began our trek up the hill on the other side of the river, down through the market, across a bridge, and up, up, up. The uphill climb was surprisingly okay, though I'm overflowing with sweat. Maybe the sweat, copious amounts of, distracted me from my physical labor, but either way, I was happy about my performance, given I've got Annapurna on my mind. Lunch, sweet Indian bread, and something orange. So, so good. Gotta have it again. Gotta learn the name. Rain began to pour, take shelter in someone's barn and porch for 30 minutes. Reach the top of the hill. School kids go crazy. Popcorn for breakfast. Yes, that's right. Milk tea, too. After dinner, play cards. Grandpa joined in. Played chess with Umakanta. Doing okay, then the father decided to give me some advice. Then, thanks to some poor advice, I lose my control. But on my own, I am able to regain and gain a slight upper hand. In the end, it's a stalemate. The mountains are out. Oh, so gorgeous. Ooh, the stars are out too. Ooh, pumpkin doll bot. So, so, so delicious. And a lassie, quite sour. Banana and buffalo milk. All in all, a great meal. I'm glad I came to his cousin's house. Ooh, on the radio that night, Maoist killed 12, injured 36. The villagers have ga gathered. We sing... Lion sleeps tonight in French and English. Yesterday, Ressam Piridi, and of course, my Dalbot Diddy. September 29th, moving on. Up early to pack. It's sad to leave, but excited to get moving on again. I guess I'm on breakfast duty. Goodbye ceremony. Village committee gives us tikka, flowers, sweet lemon. We take pictures. Goodbyes. Umakanta's father had tears in his eyes. Head down the path now improved. We struggled up two weeks before. I'm very excited to be traveling again. Hey there, I got two basic ideas for the chord progression. Then you have another part of the verse. I think there was something there. I'm just doing the same old loop. Okay, and then we get to the chorus, right? The second option would be I would do a slightly different uh, verse. So anyway, I guess within the verse on that second one, it's kind of resisting, resolving to where your ear wants, you know, that F, which adds a little tension in the verse, and then it gets resolved when it just does that same pattern back uh, to the root note. That's effectively what's happening in that second option. So I can keep it super simple, the same chords the whole time, and we could add a little... That's good, that's straight one. Eat your rice and lentils, you don't need a knife, fork, or spoon. Okay, that's not gonna happen. Morning. No, hang on, hang on, hang on. And the left is for when. Oh, whoops, oh, hang on, I went.
you know I love you Can't eat enough of you Babies be my number one Okay, now that didn't work. How about this? How about this? Okay, let's try this. Dun, dun, dun. Let me hear you say, come on, come on. Shout it to the mountaintops. Okay, we're gonna do this again. Let him hear you in Nepal. Cause we're singing about doll butt. Okay, now that didn't work. How about this? How about this? Okay, let's try this. I'm thinking about what Nepal's got. Cause I'm missing that doll butt. Hmm. Let's try this again. How about, how about? You know I'm thinking about the doll butt. Cause I'm missing Nepal not right now. No, what the f Yeah, I'm singing about it. Cause I cannot live without it. Ooh, okay, that could work. Yeah, I love Dalbot, how well. Oh, I think it needs a little more cowbell. Oh, that's silly. You know what? Let's just bring it all. Let's bring in the cowbell, let's bring in the ukulele, the, the tambourine. Dalbot. 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 Number one. Dalbot. 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 Dun, dun, dun. I think I'm done, done, done. Yeah, I'm done. That's enough. Okay.